If you ever want to feel old, hang out with eight and nine-year-olds. They have limitless energy. That's Natalia and her sister singing into the microphones I just set up in the Shams living room slash kitchen. You'll meet them in a minute. It's mid-August in Georgia, and if you know anything about the South, it's humid, and school is starting for many kids in the area. But what you may not know about public schools in the South and across the United States is that there are two educational systems, general education and special education. Now, not everyone is going to explain it like this, but this is the reality for the vast majority of students. I should know, I was a special education teacher for 16 years and spent over a decade teaching in segregated, disability-specific classrooms. I saw firsthand how inequitable our school systems are regarding learners with disabilities. But if you don't already have personal experience with special education, you may not realize why segregating students with disabilities in separate classrooms is a problem. I'm Tim Viegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Inclusion Stories, our podcast series that tells the stories of families, educators, and school systems on their journey to full and authentic inclusive education for each and every learner. Chapter one, it is a long story. It's the last few days of the 2022 school year, and I'm waiting for my daughter to come home on the bus. A warm spring breeze is in the air, and the promise of summer is right around the corner. For my daughter, and for nearly everyone in our neighborhood, since the first day of kindergarten, there has never been a question where they will go to elementary school. It's the one closest to our house, practically across the street. But for most families who have children who receive special education services to support disabilities like autism or an intellectual disability, the question of where they will go to school is not so straightforward. Many times the location of the school and what kind of classroom a child is educated in, or even the bus they ride, is based on the characteristics of their disability which is why some families have gone to extreme lengths to have their child included in their home school with their peers that don't have any disabilities. But first, why should you or I care about inclusive education? What does inclusive education mean anyway? And how does a school or district become inclusive? 
I promise we are going to get to all of that in this series, but right now I want to talk about why inclusive education is important. And in my opinion, there are three main reasons. The first is that it's the law. There is an education law called the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And it says a few really interesting things. And here's some of them. That a learner with a disability should be educated in the same classroom as they would if they didn't have a disability. That special education is a service, not a place. And that special services should go to the learner, not the other way around. And if the learner needs modifications to their lessons, like changing it so it's more accessible to them, this should not be a reason to remove them from a general education classroom. The second is the overwhelming amount of research that shows that inclusive education benefits everyone. I mean, I could fill up a whole podcast series just talking about the research, but here is the only finding that you really need to know right now. According to a report published by the National Council on Disability, the opportunity for students to participate in their neighborhood school alongside their peers without disabilities is influenced more by the zip code in which they live, their race, and disability label than by meeting the federal law defining how student placements should be made. And finally, and this one is real simple. It's the right thing to do, y'all. Just hold on to that thought for a second. After a short break, I introduce you to a family that was so desperate to have their child included, they did something drastic. My name is Carolina Valero. And I am Hiker Cham. Natalia is Carolina and Hiker's daughter who has Down syndrome and lives with her parents and two other siblings an older and younger sister. Natalia has a significant developmental delay and a speech and language impairment, and she receives special education services from her school district. But for the 2021-2022 school year, Carolina and Hiker removed all of Natalia's special education services. It is a long story. The family lives in the Atlanta metro area. We aren't going to name the school district not because we're trying to protect anyone necessarily, but the purpose of this story isn't to get anyone in trouble. It's just to illustrate that this kind of thing happens everywhere. Natalia is zoned to attend her home school with her sisters one and a half miles from their house. At the beginning of the 2019-2020 school year, Natalia was entering kindergarten. For preschool the previous year, she attended her homeschool in a special needs preschool program. These kinds of programs only include students with disabilities. Most four-year-old learners will go to a state-run pre-K program or a private one, but very rarely does a child with disabilities, especially one with a significant developmental delay or a speech and language impairment, ever go to one of these programs outside of a school district. A quick note, we are going to be talking a lot about something called an IEP, an Individualized Education Program. It's a legal document that lays out the specialized services a learner is entitled to. When Natalia was ready to transition to kindergarten, her family was very clear about the vision they had for her. They wanted her included in general education with her peers. And during the transition IEP meeting, the one that was preparing the team at her home school to educate her, 
the IP said she needed to be in a collab setting, but there was no collab classroom. The word collab is short for the term collaboration, sometimes called co-teaching, where a special and general education teacher work together and where students with and without disabilities learn in the same classroom. When it got time to enroll her officially in her home school, the family received something from the district called a prior written notice. It's kind of an official written communication explaining a change in a child's individualized education program. Um, would you do me a favor and, and read that for us? The whole thing? Just that first paragraph. Okay. So a description of the action proposed or refused. The terms have requested that Natalia receive special education and related services at her neighborhood school. The district has explained that Tres is not a suitable location for the implementation of Natalia's IV because certain services are, are provided at centralized locations within the district. Given the services set forth in Natalia's current individualized education plan IP, the parent proposed action of hiring a special education teacher for Natalia will result in her being in a one-on-one setting for her direct segment and will result in her being the only student to receive specialized instruction in a collaborative setting. The district has refused the parent's requested school assignment. According to this, the district said that you wanted them to hire a special education teacher to work with Natalia, but that's not what you wanted, right? What did you want? What we said is she needed a collab classroom in um, special ed math. So she was going to be in a separate room for math only. Just for math. Exactly. So they said they didn't have that extra group just for my. They only have a program for kids with autism. And it was not a good setting for her because she will copy behaviors and that's not what we what they wanted. But we never talk about other options. Like what about a small group? What about like they never, you know, they never thought of out of the box. They just said we can do that. Because of the prior written notice, Natalia was sent to another school, about five miles away from her house, and she stayed there through the end of the 2020-2021 school year. Even though the family had wanted Natalia to be at her home school the entire time. And I, I probably don't have to remind you what public school was like in 2020. With COVID-19 health and safety protocols, most school districts didn't start the school year in person. In December 2020, the IEP team met to discuss services for Natalia coming back from remote learning, where it was noted that Natalia wasn't receiving modifications in general education. But then, in another IEP meeting in February, just a couple months later, the school team met without Carolina because she had a family emergency. Natalia had been in a dual language Spanish and English classroom during remote learning, but since she was going back in person, the family thought it would be better for her to be in an English-only classroom. Keep in mind that Natalia has been included for most of her day in general education since she was sent to the other school, only receiving support 
for math in a separate classroom. I'm just going over the changes. So the only changes to the IEP that have been made is that she's being formally removed from the DLI program into an English only classroom. And then Miss, I don't mind going over the changes made, but do you just want to go over just the little things you added in sure. there? Here is a clip from that IEP meeting. So what the biggest change is really more like in the paperwork, it doesn't really, ch it doesn't change anything about the nature of the services that Natalia is receiving. It's just what it says in her IEP to reflect what she's been getting. So I had in her IEP before, it just said direct math, but we've specified that that is a modified curriculum segment of her day. It's an adapted curriculum math. So it still says in the segments that she's getting one math direct five days a week, but I specified that due to the nature of her disability, the rate and rigor of a general ed math segment is difficult. And so she's going to be receiving an adapted curriculum math segment with me. Um, so I specified that on the student supports page, as well as in the last page with all of the segments listed. So she was already getting direct math with me. I've always been adapted curriculum. She was always getting, I mean, it was a direct service, but since I'm a certified adapter curriculum teacher, it's like, where's the line on when, you know, when it changes, but really nothing is changing about her instruction. We're just specifying that her needs are such that she needs an adapted curriculum certified teacher providing that math segment. Did you hear the phrase adapted curriculum? Whenever you hear that phrase in an IEP, it means that a learner is receiving modifications to their lessons. The law says that you shouldn't use this as a reason to exclude someone from a general education classroom. But in Georgia and many other states, modifications are typically done by a teacher with an adapted curriculum credential. And where do adapted curriculum teachers usually teach? In segregated disability specific classrooms. Remember before where there weren't any modifications? According to this IEP meeting, Natalia was now receiving modifications in math provided by a certified adapted curriculum special educator. Heading into the 2021-2022 school year, the family wanted Natalia to go back to her home school, and they thought that since she was only receiving one separate segment of math, it could be a possibility. So they asked the special education director, and what do you think they said? Natalia could not go back to her home school because, wait for it, she received services from an adapted curriculum teacher and there is no one to provide those services at their home school. She kept saying about we want we're more focused on socialization than academics. So for her to learn how to behave in those settings and perform academically, she needs to have a solid foundation on how to behave. Well, we filed a state complaint. Uh, we went to mediation. It didn't do any difference, didn't make any difference. Um, and that's what we said. She's going to start school again, and we don't have anything planned. We're not going to fight forever. Originally, when I pitched this idea to Natalia's family, I wanted to follow how things went during her year at school without special education services. Well, it's great to see you. It's, it's going to be an audio documentary project. I'm currently researching districts around the country. Your story is unique because y'all decided to re revoke special education services. That's crazy. It worked out for the better. Yes. So, I mean, 
illogically. <laughs> Don't miss this. Rather than keep fighting with the district about placement or where Natalia would receive her special education services, the family said, fine, we are going to revoke services. Natalia can now go to her home school with her siblings because, for all intents and purposes, she is just like any other student, a general education student. How messed up is our system when a family has to resort to such extreme measures? I think what has been successful about them this year is that they don't have anything to do with special ed and they don't have any idea what it's like to be in a position where we were before. Carolina and Hiker told me that Natalia's year went way better than expected and that it all boiled down to having a good principal. There was a lot of pressure. Well, I, think, I think the principal knows well all the intricacies of the culture of uninclusion that go on. He knows. The principal yeah. knows because, no, I mean, because I, he's I helping saying, us navigate the system just yeah. like it's rigged against us. He said, we're going to have her in a collab classroom from the beginning, and they will request an evaluation. So if you wanted to go ahead with the IP, fine. If you don't want to, she'll already be in a collab with this, with the, you know. Ex- There's already support, yeah. Right, right. So yeah. the for next year and he was the one that you know came up with everything because i said why don't we start now the evaluation and everything but he he, he knows how to yeah, navigate he's like he already had a plan yeah and also he told us and the and the evaluation is not the only thing that's gonna contribute to natalia to to give her the service that she needs because we have a team here of people that know her that have seen her for a whole year that have dealt with her ups and downs and, and these people have a saying on what services she needs and she doesn't, regardless of what the SPED department say, because we are her school. So he's embracing a true sense of community. This principle is the bomb. And it wasn't just the principle. Natalia's teacher was a general education teacher, not a special education teacher. We get daily reports on what Natalia does and doesn't do, or how she evolves. And you can see that even the wording she chooses, that she, she speaks from a place of, of love and education and, and legitimately trying to help Natalia and understanding her, her, her abilities. She said she's made strides in, in humongous progress. Math is a struggle, but even with that, she's doing stuff at the kindergarten level that she wasn't doing when she got to us. Maybe Natalia's story feels familiar to you. When I hear her story and others like it, I think about all the school districts where going to your neighborhood school in an inclusive classroom with the right supports isn't even a fight. After a short break, we are headed to Maryland. My name is Jennifer Ayers. I'm an instructional coordinator for special education. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I supervise all the special education programming 
in five school sites. I also supervise infants and toddlers and preschool services for our district. That district is Cecil County Public Schools in Maryland, one of a small but growing number of school districts in the United States that are fully committed to inclusive practices for each and every learner. Cecil County started including all learners in the early 2000s and never looked back. I'm here with Jen at Bohemia Manor Middle and High School, a combined campus that houses both. They just call it Bo for short. Have you seen a culture change, you know, from when you first started to, to now? Oh, yes. Yes. So when I first started, because I was in one of those first openings of programs, I got to go see the students inside of a self-contained setting to help support transition right into an inclusive setting. And just, you know, families and even, uh, you know, staff and adults that worked with those students really felt that that was the best place for them because of their disability and, and categorical grouping was the best way to go. Right. And, and we had many years of like wing, wings, special education wings. Right. So I understand that, that. But now we really look at what, you know, what do those students need? So everyone's in. Right. We all start in. <laughs> And then if you need something different, then we can explore what that might be. So I really see that as a huge shift for us philosophically that, you know, you don't have to earn your way into general education, right? That's where you start. And if you need more or something different, we can explore that. So, yeah. Why do you, why do you think that that's not more common? It takes a lot of work, right? <laughs> it takes a lot of work because you really have to think outside of what you've always known, right? So like, it's just, it's work to change staff philosophy. It's work for programming because you have to, you know, increase your staffing in general education settings. You have to make options available for students who might need, you know, some adaptive materials or things like that. And that takes, that's a large infrastructure, like kind of shift. What a stark difference in philosophy from your average school district. And in case you were wondering, the percentage of students with IEPs that are included in general education for 80% or more of their day is right around 90%. That's high. The national average is around 66%. That's the hardest part. And people, in my opinion, I've seen, I've interacted with a lot of people they really believe that that's the best thing for students. Like they really passionately believe some places that categorical grouping is the best for students. And it's really giving them the opportunity to see the success that students have, which I think we did here. So people, you, you gain momentum, right? As you see success and the, the way you change a child's life or trajectory, to, you know, to really put them on a different path for success. So I feel like that's so helpful to people like once you start seeing those stories and those you know cha really changing children's lives by giving them those opportunities that's when people start to buy into a shift philosophically so thinking back to families who often start their road into special education through preschool special education programs what does that look like in cecil county from bow middle and high jen takes me to another school and it just happens to be very close. Let's the secretary's <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. We're, we're going to be touring around some classrooms. Okay. We're going to go back to the conference room, though, okay? Okay, sounds good. And do you know where Beth is? Is she in the cafeteria?
So let's talk about pre-K because mm-hmm. we are going to see pre-K here. Yes, correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And so where is here? It's Chesapeake City Elementary School. <laughs> so we have a three-year-old program here and a four-year-old program. And so we call them PK-3 and PK-4. Um, our PK-3 programs are funded through the special education department, and they're inclusive settings that we manage. And then the PK-4 program is a general education program, and that's you know funded through re- regular funding sources. We maintain at least a 50-50 ratio of students so that they can learn and support each other. And the early childhood in inclusion, so theoretically, uh, a, a child with, with an IEP or mm-hmm. disability could go to a three-year-old program, then go to a regular four-year-old program, mm-hmm. and then go to kindergarten. Yes, yes. And w- wherever their community school was. Exactly, yep. With the educators that, that work in the programs, mm-hmm. is there any particular training that they get to be... To, to like have an inclusive classroom like how do you prepare like a new early childhood educator how do you prepare them to serve all students that's a great question so our three-year-old program is a special education teacher they do hold dual certification but it's a special ed teacher um, so they have all that experience and training but our four-year-old programs is our general education teachers and so we do a lot of work obviously professional development through the beginning of the school year but typically what it looks like is more student specific planning um, because typically children who because we have our three-year-old programs <laughs> you know we know the students are ready and we've already had the opportunity to think about what that might look like for them in their four-year-old programming so we're able to create like that transition planning and that bridge and and prepare that teacher for that specific student not that they're not sometimes we get children who we didn't know (laughs) that enroll right that we didn't know were coming and so um, but I think through that very specific planning then they can apply those strategies um, you know to other students or trial them And, and sometimes some of those strategies are good for all students right and so Um, you know, they're able to use it. Jen explained the differences in the number of learners in each program. In the three-year-old classrooms, there could be up to 12 or 14 children. In the four-year-old program, there are typically 20 learners. Um, It's more like a kindergarten. Yeah, it's like a full-day general education program. So 20, sometimes, you know, a little bit between 20 and 25 students would be your typical um, four-year-old program. Okay. And so in that classroom, there would be a paraeducator and then a teacher, a classroom teacher, and then the special educator would come in for some portions of the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and what about related services and all that? Yeah. So um, in this, you know, school building and, and in all buildings, really, we try, especially in early childhood, to have our services happening inside of the classroom um, to really promote that generalization and that access to the general ed environment. That's a really good practice for early childhood, especially if we're looking at the skills that kids are developing and, and their peers and their role models. You know, those pieces um, can't happen in isolation. Um, and, you know, at times there are kids who receive services outside, but we really try to as much as possible to promote inside services and that's across the board not just for pre-k yes yeah yeah Yeah. so you should really look at you know what's our because related services are designed to help us 
access, right, our special education services and our general education classroom. And so in order to do that, you really have to be present and part of that programming. And it takes a lot of collaborative planning between teachers and related service providers to see like what the lesson might be while they're there and then talk about how their discipline might support that or, um, you know, support that student in that area related to their goals. Um, Mrs. White just went into the preschool and she asked if we wanted to join her just for a minute. She's yeah, she'll stay. And she, I said, are you coming in here? She said, no, but I'm going into preschool. Do you want to see yeah, embedded see. service? And then we'll come back over. Let's see. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. And I think you breathe this all this way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What I saw in that classroom made my teacher heart very happy. Kids weren't being pulled out of the classroom for services. They were embedded in the routine of the classroom. And yeah, this is pre-K and it's normally a lot of fun, but it just hit different here in Cecil, where the culture is already inclusive. I talked with dozens and dozens of educators here, and I asked them, do you know how unique you are that you don't have segregated disability-specific programs across the board? And you know what they said? This is just who we are. After a short break, it's time to go back to Georgia to check up on Natalia. It's the first day of the 2022-2023 school year, and I'm with Hiker and Carolina to pick up Natalia from her home school. Natalia is in a second grade collab classroom with one general and one special education teacher. She currently has no special education services, but the school made the decision to place her in the collab classroom because soon she is going to have an evaluation to determine special education services. Can I sit here? Please? <laughs> I'm just going to be right here. Okay. Okay, right here. Right buckle here. up, buckle up, please. There you go. The first thing that stuck out to me about Natalia was just how happy she was. And not just her, but her family. They have had a tough year. But because of their advocacy, Natalia is at her home school, and the family believes that she has a team that has her best interest in mind. Lunch. Lunch. What did she say? What was it, Natalia? 
Lunch. Lunch. Yeah. Uh, what did you have for lunch? I had chicken, chicken nugget and bread. Oh, was it school lunch? Like, yeah. Yeah. You got the through. You went to the line. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get Do you get chocolate milk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My kids like chocolate milk. So, what's next for Natalia? I called Carolina to check up on how things were going during the school year. Hello. Hi, Carolina. It's Tim. Hey, Tim. How are you? I'm good. I was so glad you texted me yesterday because we are, you know, in the process of getting Natalia back into the IB. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> she's in the collab class right now. Mm-hmm. So she has the general ed and the special ed teacher. Um, and we have met twice. One time for the um, 504 plan for mm-hmm. second grade. <clears throat> and, you know, I noticed the teachers were just talking about, you know, she can do this. It's so hard for her. She needs so much one-on-one. It was, I could tell, you know, it was overwhelming for them. Mm. <clears throat> um, and, you know, I tried to say more things like, well, but she can do this and she's, this is where she's at. Um, and she can do so much more, but we have to meet her where she's at. Like we, what, what the expectations are like for her. We just had the eligibility meeting. So, so she doesn't show, so she still doesn't have special education services yet. Correct. I mean, you, you accepted the eligibility though, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, she's going to get services. I could tell the difference between them yeah. this year and last year. And, but the principal, you know, he said, talk to them and they are on board. They, they wanted to. They want to help Natalia and we'll figure it out and they're so good. So I think they're trying, but it's, it's, it seems like it's hard for them to, to figure it out. Like so the next step is really with the IEP goals. figuring out like, yeah, figuring out goals and services mm-hmm. and then how, how you can keep her in the regular class as much as possible. Correct. Because how are you feeling with, with the district? Like, let's just, let's just uh, hypothetically say, you know, you go to the IEP meeting and they're like, well, you know, she really should be in a small group classroom for students Mm -hmm. with intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're right back where you were. Right. Exactly. Well, that that was that has been our conversa- conversation with the principal, and he had said that uh, we'll do anything we can. But of course, it's not only my decision. But as long as you know, it's in our possibilities to offer services and everything she needs here, we'll do it. But overall, you're feeling you're feeling positive. Yes. Okay, that's good. I've got to be honest, I'd like to share Carolina's positivity about this time around with special education services, but something tells me that it's going to be the same 
old story. And sure, even if it works out with Natalia, what about all the other learners with extensive support needs? Kids who use augmentative and alternative communication systems or learners who need behavior support. Is it possible to include them in general education? And how do you know if your school is really inclusive? Great questions. That's next time on Inclusion Stories. Inclusion Stories is written, edited, sound designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Viegas, and is a production of the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education. For more information about inclusive education or how MCIE can partner with you and your school or district, visit mcie.org. A huge shout out to our sponsors. We couldn't have done this project without you. Communication First, Roots of Inclusion, the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, the Thompson Policy Institute on Disability, iSecure Privacy, the White Family, the Teague Family, and to our supporters at the Washington Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, as well as our friends at Club 21 in Pasadena, California. We are grateful for your partnership. Special thanks to the Sham family and everyone over at Cecil County Public Schools. Thanks to Greg Drews and The Truth for giving us permission to use their song, The Light, from their album, Yellow Rose, as our theme. Check it out wherever you stream music. Also, thank you very much to Marcus Garakos for letting us use Stella's Roomba for the end credits of Chapter 1. We have four more chapters of Inclusion Stories coming your way, so watch your podcast feeds closely. Thanks for listening. Yeah,